listening to Proof Text, a Glossa House podcast by Dr. T. Michael W. Halcom, Dr. Frederick J. Long, Dr. Mario Melendez, Dr. Jennifer Noonan, and J. M. Smith. Welcome and enjoy. Hello, welcome to Constituent Marking with Fred Long on Proof Text, and I am Fred Long uh, talking with you and looking at these wonderful verses from First Corinthians. 12, we're in verses uh, 19 and 20. Uh, wow, we're going to do two verses today, and I hope that doesn't throw you off. But I'll try to read the Greek text, translate, and then mark it up so that those of you who are listening can follow along. Those of you watching can see me mark it up. And um, yeah, so, Ide ein tapanta en melos putosoma. Putosoma, where the body, where the body. Now we've seen this construction, puto soma, in verses, I think it was uh, 15, uh, 17, had that, where, you know, where's the hearing, where's the smelling. So grammatically, um, the puto soma, there is an implied estine. Tosoma is single underlined. So that's the main sentence, where is the body? Now, of course, to get to that, question, we have to understand the uh, subordinate clause setup. Uh, now we have, uh, as we go to the start of the sentence, we have a e that. Now that is a uh, connector that's connecting to verse 18. It's marking uh, distinctive or new development. And so this is the next step in the argument. Uh, and it's doing so by way of a conditional clause, E. Uh, and I'm going to do the, the subordinate clause. Uh, so both E and the get boxes. I'm using red for the E to, um, to uh, mark up the subordinate clause. I'm using red. So the uh, connects to the larger discourse, the previous verse, saying, hey, there's a, there's a new thing I'm adding here. There's something new I'm doing, and it starts with a subordinate clause with E. Uh, if ain, past tense, was. So if it was, uh, ain is third singular from e me. Um, so present, or actually it's imperfect, uh, indicative third singular from e me. Tapanta is the subject, plural, plural nominative, um, and that can work with third singular verbs. So that's something that can throw you off. You see a, a neuter, you see a plural subject working with a third singular verb, and you're like, wait, that's it's plural going with singular. It doesn't work. But it does work because um, it's neuter. Neuter does that. Uh, neuter nominative nouns can be plural working with third singular verbs. It's actually, that's the default. So um, if all things were one member, en melos. So en melos is neuter singular nominative and is the predicate nominative. Uh, we know it's predicate nominative partly by position, but also because tapanta has an article. And if you have, uh, if you're trying to figure out which nominative is the subject, which one is the predicate nominative, the one with the article will be the subject. It will be the one that will translate first into English. So 
Moreover, if all things were one member, where would the body be? Where would where is the body? Where is the body? Now, I'm tempted to take this uh, this this uh, understand this e clause. It's a it's a protasis. Uh, it's part of a conditional sentence. So e with past indicative. Uh, followed by a present uh, indicative. Well, we don't know. It's implied. There's no verb here. So what is the verb? I'm kind of translating this as if there's an implied on. Um, on would, in in the main clause, the apodosis or main clause, if there were an on here, this would definitely be marked as uh, what's called a past contrary to fact condition and you're like what is that uh, it's a fun type of condition you have present and past contrary to fact um, actually this could be uh, rather than past it actually could be a present um, and here we have to go go to Koine Greek grammar chapter 26 where I walk around the different types of conditional sentences in short, I can summarize as follow that uh, E with the imperfect indicative followed by an imperfect indicative with on in the main clause, which we don't have here. Maybe it's implied. That could be used for the present tense, um, past uh, present contrary to fact. And, and a contrary to fact condition is a type of condition in Greek. Greek conditionals are very complex, but it's a way for the author to say, I'm going to lay this out here, but I, uh, you know, and I know, I, I want you to know that I know this is, this is not true. This is not how things are, but for the sake of argument, I'm going to lay it out there uh, for you. And this could be put in terms of present time frame or past time frame. Now, it makes it difficult to discern the two is that, um, the difference between the two in, in the construction is that the past contrary to fact can be used with the imperfect tense also or the aorist tense indicatives and then um, the presence of on. So typically you have on in the conclusion and you don't have that here. Um, so I think, you know, technically we probably have a mixed condition where the E, the conditional startup, is mixing with a, um, a different conclusion. But I want to translate it this way. If all things were one part, then where would the body be? Uh, if this were the case, then where would the body be? Um, and the implication here is that this is not um, a real condition. It's a, a real situation by construction. Like we know that this is not the case. So we're not going to, we understand that this is not real. We, don't, we understand this is a, this is not in fact how things are. So yeah, that's the, um, that's how I would uh, translate. Th that's how I want to translate this. Another way to translate it is simply like this. Moreover, if all members were, if all were one member, 
where is the body? Where is the body in that? So I think it's a real question, but it's set up with a, an understood, unreal premise, namely that all things in a body are not one part, one type of part. So I think it's a mixed condition that starts out with uh, an assumption of falsehood, like this is not true, wink, wink, we know this is not the case, but I'm going to lay it out there. And then he leads it to a, a real question about the present. Where is the body? And I think it may, may speak to the reality that's happening in the Corinthians is that they're having, they're, they're having disputes over this presently. Um, and, and there's a lot of homogeneity going on. They're all kind of imitating the same kind of thing. And then this leads to the real situation, you know, that's an unreal situation, but it's real to them. And it leads to the real situation. A question is, where is the body? Where is the body? Now, when we go to verse 20, we see that um, we have a noon de pola. De and noon, now. Noon means now. It's a dotted underlined. Um, Moreover, so that means uh, new development. Moreover, now, uh, on the one hand, so you have a men de construction. So men sometimes can work with de. To, uh, and, and one way that we can translate the two working together is um, on the one hand, this. On the other hand, that. So I'm putting boxes around de and men and de. I put a, a dotted under a dotted box around noon, and then we we see pola, which receives a single underline, and mele. So this whole sentence together um, is reads like this: noon de pola, men mele, en de soma. So en and soma are single underlined and de. So what is going on here? Um, okay. So moreover, now, on the one hand, on the one hand, there are many members. So that's true. On the one hand, there are many members. On the other hand, there is one body. So there we have it. There we have it. That's the profound truth is that these two things obtain at the same time. On the one hand, many members. On the other hand, one body. So these are verbless uh, clauses, uh, but we can easily supply the verb imi in them. And um, yeah, so that's how we would mark up and translate verses 19 and 20, 1 Corinthians 12. So um, I hope you found it helpful. And uh, we'll continue next time. Interested in growing your ancient language skills but not sure where to start? Glow's House can help. From illustrated readers and short stories to lexicons and grammars, Glow's House offers a variety of resources for beginning, intermediate, and experienced ancient language learners. Head to glowsahouse.com today. Glow's House, language resources for the global community.